This is the Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. And I'm Jacob Young. On the Edge of Innovation, we talk about the intersection between technology and business, what's going on in technology, and what's possible for business. So we're here today on the Edge of Innovation. We're talking with Greg Arnett. Currently, now you've got a new title, but I'm going to call you the founder of Sonian. But some stuff has happened, and we'll get into that and, and all that. But you're an entrepreneur of, of a long time, pretty much probably your whole life. Yeah, it's been 30 years thinking about ideas in the tech space, creating companies to solve problems, and moving on to the next thing. And so now you were just acquired. Right. Uh, Sonian was just acquired by Barracuda. Which I think had at the same time gotten acquired by somebody else, or there was a sort of cascade of acquisitions there. There was. So in no, early November of 2017, yep. Barracuda completed the acquisition of Sony, and, and then about a month later, they announced that Barracuda would be going private. I see. So Barracuda was a public company at the acquisition of us, mm-hmm. and then a private equity firm in San Francisco called Toma Bravo took Barracuda private. Okay. And well, and now, now we're a private company. Wow, interesting. So it's, a, it's a common trend you see. Yeah, days. Dell did it. And Rackspace did it. Yeah. And GoDaddy did it. So, yeah. so, so you were an overnight success that took 10 years. 10 years and yeah. I would say as a distant observer, a lot of hard work. It was. You guys did some hard work. Yeah. So you were tired after IntelliReach. Were you tired after Sonian? <laughs> Not that they were after it yet, but at, uh, was it as tiring or had you learned more or dealt with it better? Certainly had better mental tools to deal with. Mm-hmm. Stress, startup world, you know, raising capital, dealing with board of directors, mm-hmm. dealing with investors, growing companies and so forth. When I say tired, maybe a little fatigued, always excited about what's next. Yeah, excited about finding that next problem to solve, taking the, the latest in technology trends and turn it into a you know, business service. Right. Kind of thing. So do you have things you're excited about now? Uh, so, yeah. So right now I'm focused on helping Barracuda go to the next level. Uh-huh. They've already achieved quite a bit of success. I mean, they're right. known around the world, brand name and so forth. But there's a big movement to migrate everything to the cloud. Mm-hmm. And what attracted them about um, Sony and was our cloud platform, just the fact that we have sort of quote-unquote born the cloud kind of mm-hmm. company. Back in 2007, 2008, there were a number, of, there were a lot of projects that kind of started right around the same time. Right. And they all kind of ran for about 10 years and got acquired and went public. So right. It's sort of the traditional path. Right. Okay, so let's shift it a little bit. So that's sort of your professional background. And we talked a little bit about growing up and technology and the right end of a soldering iron. Um, so what's the coolest piece of tech, physical piece of tech you've seen this past year? Oh, interesting. It's funny, I was probably, just this past year, the coolest piece of tech, the Apple AirPods. AirPods, okay. Yeah. And why? What's... They just work so elegantly. Yeah. It's kind of a weird little thing. I just I just got a pair that after looking at them for a long time right. and trying out different wireless earbuds, uh-huh. Bluetooth-based earbuds for listening to a podcast or talking to the phone yep. on my iPhone. I just think it, the product packaging, the seamless use of usability, yep. uh, just everything is just magical to me. Yeah, I was really impressed. Well, no, we'll go get into some others, but um, so that would, but of all the things, that's really the coolest that you think is sort of the newest for you. Pretty new, new for me. Yeah, for you. I thought it was really the little package it comes in or the the charging case. Yeah, that's ingenious. That's really cool. Well, well done. Yeah, just the way they connect so seamlessly to your iOS device. Right. And, and this is after backing probably three or four different Kickstarter campaigns for various other attempts to do what the AirPod has done. Wow. Well. And I even have one of them 
It's just like an anchor or a really popular USB company. Yeah, an anchor. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. They have a, a division that's focused on audio. Uh -huh. They came up with their version of this. Okay. And just kind of blank on the name of it. So I finally got my Kickstarter. Oh, really? Board. Oh. Like, oh, this is going to be great. This is before I got the AirPods. Uh huh. And I couldn't fit the darn things in my ear. Oh, wow. I had those complicated gel uh -huh. inserts and it just felt so uncomfortable. I said, this is not going to work. Oh, man. So I'm going to go for the AirPods. So now you obviously use an iPhone. Do you have an iPhone 10 or do you, what do you have? Really old in that function. I have an yeah. iPhone 6S. That's what I have. That's yeah. what I have at plus. Oh, the, the, the bigger size. Yeah, the bigger yeah. size. So I've been having the original iPhone for way too long. Okay, why why do you not have a, a 7, 8, or, or 10? For some reason around my phones, I'm, I'm not saying I'm whether it's being conservative or just being thrifty. Okay, well, you're New Englander, so yeah. you got to be thrifty. But I saw an article recently that said, you know, don't get the iPhone 8 or 10, just get the 6S. It's just, it's really all you mm -hmm. need for it. It's right. like a refurb 6S, and it's yeah. great. You bought a refurb one on top of it. From Apple, yeah. Wow. I just bought it outright, didn't do the, yep. phone, the phone leasing or whatever. It's just For some reason, I like to own my phone. Yeah, me too. I know exactly what you mean. And I don't want to spend a lot because I'm afraid I'm going to drop or break right. it. And at some point, I you know I do lust after that iPhone X. Yes. I'll, I'll get one eventually, well, for sure. Well, there's going to be the X plus one soon. I mean, they got to come up with the 11, you know, so yeah. I'm like, <laughs> uh, you know, you know. so that's fascinating. So have you ever tried Android phones? I have, yeah. So before the iPhone 6, I had an Android for many, many years. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, very so. different Android phones. And I'm a latecomer to iOS, to iPhone. I've had iPads for a long mm -hmm. time and iPods for a long time. Mm -hmm. I was just kind of wanting to bridge the Android iOS device right. gap by having an Android phone. But right. I just got tired of it and said, I'm just going to... Tired of what? It just like it, it wasn't, let's see, it was a Verizon Android phone, so it had all the Verizon apps on it, uh -huh. kind of crappy and crufty. Uh -huh. and it didn't feel as tight. Yeah. And I didn't, I was less interested in tw fiddling around with phones. I just wanted it to be a really good right. utility device that I could count on and work. And right. I was getting more and more into the Apple product family. Yep. You know, Mac and iPads yep. and just thought, just, I'll just go that direction. I, uh, I took the, a good friend of mine who's a security researcher announced on Facebook, this is probably four years ago, I'm switching to Android. And he was a real fanboy for Mac and on iOS. And I was like, really? I just can't believe it. So I watched and I kept asking him every few weeks, how's it going? How's it going? And he was enthusiastic initially. But then about a year later, he said, I'm switching back. And I'm like, what happened, Ian? And he says, the apps just aren't as tight. They, they're they're yeah. just, it's like quality control isn't there. Yeah. And that's, I think it's a profound thing. But on the opposite side of that, I have seen, which really shocks me, is the willingness for people to switch between iOS and Android based on a sales decision in a phone store. And and I, I mean, people that aren't techie, you know, like, you know, geeks like us, I couldn't, I, mean, I had to deliberately switch, you know, and say, I'm going to tolerate this for a while and, you know, ultimately went back. But I was surprised at how willing, you know, this, I have a friend who's a housewife and she said, oh, I went in and looked at all the phones and I bought a Windows phone. This was three, four years ago. And I'm like, really? Why would you do that? You know, and then she went back and bought an Android phone, you know, a couple of years later. And she, I don't know if it was good sense, but asked me, what should I buy? I said, get an iPhone. She went and bought an iPhone. And there wasn't that crisis of changing, you know, in their mind. I'm really surprised at that, that the people are willing to make that change. I mean, there's people like us who have a real hard time with it, but well, fascinating. I completely resonate with what, how you're describing that. I've seen similar examples, you know, with the phone kiosk at Costco or something. Uh -huh. People are just... I'll just take that phone. And right. About it. Like, I would analyze every yeah, app. Yeah, exactly. I, would, like, this exactly. <laughs> I did the same thing. Like, just 
just Android apps aren't as crisp or tight or something. Right. And maybe it's there's less rigor or less the framework's not as good. I've never built an, a mobile yep. app, so I don't know. Or built a, an app that was designed for mobile. I've done the stock one for that phone something, phone gap. Oh, phone gap, yeah. And like, for example, I have a couple of those Amazon Fire tablets around mm-hmm. the house. Right. really inexpensive little devices to have around mm-hmm. for controlling things. Oh, okay. So and, you're, you're using them for a task. Yeah, like the Sonos controller yep. or the Hue lighting on some Hue Mm-hmm. To the house, and the, I can compare and contrast the iOS version of the app versus the Android version, mm-hmm. and it's just it just feels different. And like you said, yeah. your friend said it doesn't feel as tight or crisp. Yeah. And so that's one thing that kind of works against me. I do follow people in the tech space who switch kind of as part of their when you do it today, they switch back and forth every year between each device. Wow. Just so they can live in the, yeah, in the yeah. environment. And I don't have the need to do that for like my education. Right. Or not building products. For right. I just need a really good tolerance. Yeah. Yeah, that's the biggest frustration I had with, I bought a OnePlus, and I bought the second version and the third version, and there'd be times when I couldn't answer the phone. You know, it's just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, this is a utility. You know, it's like thinking about the old telco guys, you know, who did it a certain way, you know, and that's the way we did telco. And it always worked. You know, now we're in this wild west of voice over IP where it works sometimes, you know. Yeah, it's funny that with all the great technology we have, the quality of the connections has really gone down. Yeah, it really has. Yeah. But I have noticed when somebody calls you from an iPhone and you're on an iPhone, quality is incredible. It does seem like some magic happens. Yeah. It's, kind of like my brother called me one day and he's like, it sounds like you're right here. Yeah. And it was he was calling on his iPhone. He called my iPhone. But man, I was just like, wow. So there is some magic. I think there is. There must be. I don't. Is that just a marketing thing or is that real? So at home, on the outer cape, the Verizon cell phone service is kind of spotty. Sure. In the early days, I bought one of those network extender devices uh-huh. from Verizon to have a little mini cell tower. Right. But it didn't really work that well beyond this sort of like sure. 20, 30 feet from the device, so it kind of defeated the purpose. But with the newest iPhone, I found like it uses the Wi-Fi connection over my Right, for voice. For yeah. Voice. And it just sounds really clear when that mm-hmm. happens. So I'm not sure what's going on, but... So now I'm interested. You mentioned are, you're using a Verizon phone. Verizon iPhone. Yeah. So why why that? Why not an AT and T? Coverage. Coverage. Maybe maybe just all marketing it worked well, but well, but how about the fact that on an AT and T iPhone you can do something while you're on the phone? You can use the internet while you're on the phone. Can you? I don't think you can do that on a Verizon. Um, it's really weird. Sometimes you can. Sometimes you can't. Interesting. I'm not sure why, but previously that it was a bit of drawback. Okay. So, CDMA. Yeah, CDMA. It yeah. Right. Okay, maybe that's it. Edge. I've seen times where I'm on the phone and I have no data. I've seen times I'm on the phone and I have data. Oh. Figure out why. Interesting. Wow. It's not as good as the GSM-based system. Right. Right. I think I don't know five G changes all that again. Yeah. Exactly. Or something, or we can cook, do voice and data, and at the same time. It could be in some cases I'm doing a voice call, I don't realize it. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so what what other things in technology are real cool and zippy? Beyond AirPods. <laughs> Beyond AirPods, yeah. Right. So are you reinvigorated about that, or was there a lull in it? Sort of, you put it in, it worked. 
it aged and now it's I mean, there's a whole new world with, with yeah. the lighting it's quantum difference Right, exactly. Low, low wattage, high uh, fidelity bulbs. Well, I just put in my, I have a 2004 Acura MDX. Works great. One of the light bulbs burned out, headlights. I put an LED in. Wow. Just stunning. They have a retrofit for Yeah, that? Like snaps cool. right in, and you plug it in. It was. It took me five minutes. Wow. And bought the pair of them for $33. The most difficult thing was figuring out which bulb I needed to get. Amazon, I don't know why. But all of a sudden, they have this thing that says, oh, tell us about your vehicles. I type in, oh, it's an Acura MDA, et cetera. Oh, here's all the things you can buy for your vehicle. So you can register your vehicle there. And they, oh, wow. they had suggested the wrong bulb. They sent it to me. Couldn't fit it in. Sent it back. Got a different set. Popped it in. And it's brighter. It's whiter. It's just fantastic. Wow. A real pleasant experience. Really better than I thought. That's so interesting. I, I was wondering what that was going to be a possibility is to retrofit yourself right. to LED bulbs. Yeah, and it happened without us even knowing it. Nobody gave us the memo. I don't know why. Yeah, sort of upon <laughs> exactly. It. Yeah. Amazon surface it for your, right. your machine learning, artificial intelligence. Yes, yes. <laughs> they know everything about you. Yes, it was like, wow. Yeah. Always worried about keeping current with IT? Savior Labs is an IT and web services firm that cares for your business and team. Savior Labs solves problems so you can focus on what you do best. Prepare for 2018 with a free IT assessment. Just follow the link in our show notes and enter code SAVIOR, S-A-V-I-O-R. So what other cool things? So lighting, what are you tinkering with now? So setting aside cloud and the business side of technology, yep. um, which is where I spend most of my time right now. Let's see. So retrofitting LEDs in the house, switching out a lot of fluorescents with LEDs. Mm, yeah, so yeah. Those are really cool. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like hit or miss as well. It's kind of a weird thing right now because you, you have different ballasts in the fluorescent yep. bulbs. Some work, some don't. Right. I stumbled across a, a brand of GE tubes that seems to work best across a wide variety of applications. With the old ballast? With the, the original ballast, ballast? But they're never in stock because everyone else is uh, I see. Too, so. so you made the choice of changing the bulb to work with the old fixture, old ballast. What about stripping the ballast out and putting in just a, like, if it were 10 years from now, you wouldn't be looking at a retrofit kit. No. No. So w- why not go with what we would go with in 10 years, two years or whatever yeah. it is? Because I'm making the same decision. My, my wife has a plant light, a nice tiered plant light, and it has all these expensive bulbs in it, mm-hmm. you know, that are 15 inches long and they cost $20 or $30 a piece, grow lights. And I'm saying, well, I can buy new grow bulbs or I can buy LED grow bulbs that work with the current ballasts or I could just retrofit the whole thing. What would yeah. you do? So I just went through the exact same process. Ah, see, this is perfect. I was planning this is after studying a number of different websites and trying out some things that Costco had. They have yep. some LED kits. Now. Yeah, they sure do. FEIT company, yep. which didn't really work out for me so well. So I was on a plan to basically bypass the ballast mm-hmm. by sealing fluorescent fixtures mm-hmm. in the garage. I bought the replacement, the column, what do they call those, the things that bulbs plug into? I can't think of the Oh, tombstones. Tombstones, yeah. yeah. I just learned that yesterday. <laughs> so I bought the right tombstones. It's uh-huh. like probably a 15-minute uh-huh. rewire per fixture. Okay. And then a friend of mine said, hey, I found these bulbs that if someone had told him that you don't have to do anything, just put them in and they work. I tried them and actually worked. And he said, okay, I'll have to save myself the time now. Okay. Down the road, where I'm sure these ballasts will eventually 
give out. out. Yep. I'll just do that rewiring trick then. Okay. And so it's basically was uh, just saving some time right now. Interesting. I to get the ballast out of the pitcher. Yeah. I think they're probably zapping some of the electricity. Sure. Yep. But these these lights don't go on for very long, mm-hmm. so I'm not too worried about that. So I do like the purity of it. Mm-hmm. I'll just get things out of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, exactly. Less failure points. Yeah, less failure points. So I'm kind of kicking down the road a little bit of more work off the do. Yep. But this way I can just plug in new bulbs and I have it's all working fine. Right, and, right. And it's also hard to work above your head like that and change those tombstones. is not trivial. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, so I might have underestimated actually yeah. how long it would take, but I yeah. have all these instructions. And, and this sharp metal up there and, oh, it's just, yeah. you think it should be easy. When it's down on the desk, it's easy yeah. to work on a trough or, you know, fluorescent light. But in the ceiling, your head gets, your neck gets all twisted. Right, yeah. So all these things would have, so it would have been those, one of those projects I probably would have never gotten around to. <laughs> not found the plug I've own. never done that. I've never, never yeah. not gotten to a project. <laughs> and also, I'm kind of a stickler on color temperature. Uh huh, sure. And I didn't want like different color temperatures yep. that would drive me crazy. Yeah. So got all the same bulbs and this thing have a long lifespan. Yeah, they, they sure do. Work, they should work for, right. for as long as I probably will have to deal with them. Yeah. So. So yeah, so there's the light retrofitting project, and then sort of pulled out a original whole house audio system and replaced with Sonos. Oh, okay, cool. Where do you store your media, your audio? And well, let's talk about that for a minute. So I've never been one of these people who wants to rip all these movies and store them on hard disks. I don't understand the use case there. I mean, maybe you're you can offer insight there. And people use Plex to watch their movies, and I'm like, I'll stream it. You know, I mean, you can stream just about anything. Now, maybe that's a holdover from five years ago. But the one thing I do sort of get is I want to store all my music. Now, my daughter has Apple Music, which she loves, but she's got a lot. She's only 14, so she's got a lot less library to think about. And I've got stuff that's pretty esoteric. So I'm thinking, well, gee, I want to store everything in the cloud. What do you do for music storage, video storage, that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's an evolving conversation at home, but the core anchor is a Mac that has iTunes on it with a very large music library mm-hmm. that over time, as CDs have been ripped and stored electronically, right. the last few years, I mean, maybe the last four or five years, I don't think I've bought anything physical. It's always been just right. MP3 files, either through mm-hmm. iTunes or Amazon Music, and now more recently, it's, everything is just streaming. Right. Yeah, Sonos, you don't buy it. You yeah. just you just rent it for the time you're listening to yeah. it. Yeah, Sonos has been a good... Let, it lets you kind of look at across all your sources with a seamless, you know, consistent interface, and mm-hmm. I don't think much more about... I don't think much about whether I have it as a local file on my MP3 or whether mm-hmm. I'm getting it from the cloud, whether I'm entitled to it forever or I'm just sort of renting the song right. as part of a subscription. Right. And Apple Music has been the primary music subscription service we use at home. Okay. Um, after sort of looking at Spotify and Pandora and stuff like that. Interesting. The Amazon Music is too. Yeah. So how do you differentiate when you choose to play something at home? Do you just say, I want to play this song or and it goes figures out where it is or... I'm wondering how Sonus deals with these online libraries, you know, the the streaming libraries. It becomes, I think, of a sort of an Uber directory around uh-huh. over it or an index, as mm-hmm. well, which melts together your stuff you have stored locally. So you can build playlists of local and stuff mm-hmm. in the cloud or stuff that you stream. Oftentimes, I'll choose a song and say, build a playlist around this. Interesting. Kind of just okay. Kind of be serendipitous about it. And Sonos does that? Does that? that might actually be Apple Music that's uh-huh. doing that. 
part of it, but Sonos has given me access to it. Okay, cool. They're getting better and better about the integration between the Sonos software and the controller and iTunes yep. uh, or Apple Music services for a long time of being not really working well together. Right, right. It's kind of a shame because it appeals to the same audience. Right. Like high-end Sonos and people that are probably iTunes fanatics. Okay, so you, you ripped out a whole house audio system and put in Sonos. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of a weird time frame around 2004 when home automation was dominated by these brands called Crestron yes, and, uh, and yep. stuff. And, you know, we, we were fortunate to be able to put a system in when the house was mm-hmm. built and kind of just rolled it into the cost of the house. Mm-hmm. Now that I look back on what we paid for that thing discreetly, it just blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, we have touch panels in some of the rooms that cost like $1,000. Right, right, <laughs> right. And we hardly ever used them either. Right, just interesting. It demoed really well in the showroom. Yeah, it looked cool, it looked but cool. it didn't transition to usefulness. Yeah, you could actually watch a TV on the touch panel. Oh, cool. It's like if you – like, <laughs> We never ever right, of course. That. You're standing at the door watching the touch panel, yeah. <laughs> yeah, same thing as that ABC show or something. So paid a lot for something we didn't use. Right. And in hindsight, it turns out the quality of the music, the quality of the audio that was being processed through these big mega room controllers uh-huh. was much much more inferior to sort of just a traditional amp. Really? That would power a nice set of speakers. Uh-huh. So that system started to develop problems because it became kind of aged mm-hmm. and... These systems weren't built probably for long-term durability with right. really good manufacturing. So I was making some big gross exaggerations here. Yeah, no, I understand. So, yeah, so they're very expensive to fix. So in consultation with a home audio consultant, pulled all that stuff out and put Sonos in, uh-huh. but leveraged the existing amps, the existing speakers. Right. And now we have keypads and controllers on the wall that we don't use. And right. I think eventually we'll just have them ripped out and just right. rocked over. Right. Just so we can make it nice and clean and so forth. It's funny, sometimes you walk into a house that might have been built in the 60s and mm-hmm. have those intercom systems. Yep. In yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. These keypads and controllers will look that same way. Yeah, now. absolutely. Oh, that's cool. Wireless and tablet based and so forth. <laughs> so I was able to replace all the control system with Sonos. Mm-hmm. And it's the Sonos that doesn't have the amp, it just drives an amp. So I see. Right. Or, mm-hmm. or controllers or something. So do you, do you do much with home automation? Are you using Z-Wave or Zigbee or Insteon uh, or any of that? I think I will in the future. Oh, really? So oh, so this I'm is... I'm not sure which one yet, but okay. right now the home was built, so the audio system and was a separate system, uh-huh. home controllers, and then the lighting system was based on Lutron, uh-huh. right. the Radio RA, mm-hmm. which was really state-of-the-art a mm-hmm. long time ago, and that, but you couldn't control it with a computer. It's a kind of a closed system. Right. And I'd like to replace it with the modern version of all that yeah, cool. down the road. Well, when you're ready, let's talk. Because yeah, uh, I'm, I'm gonna, we, we, we had X10 for the longest time, and we switched to a combination of Insteon and Z-Wave. And oh, wow. we, we basically support all the protocols. You can get any device and integrate it. It works really well. Yeah, I'm yeah. around that. Yeah. I had a big X10 thing prior to the Neutron and like the bridges and yeah. the controllers. And I actually just have a whole box of it I want to bring to the place to recycle electronics because it's just not useful anymore. That's right. It's true. It's very true. Yeah. The programming the macros and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's hit or miss, though. Yeah. Well, it's gotten a lot better. So it's gotten a lot better. Yeah, there's a lot of of improvement there. And then then just kind of figuring out what systems would be the anchor, right? What's your hub strategy? Mm -hmm. What Amazon's doing with Alexa is pretty cool. Yeah. Do you have an Alexa? Yes. You use it? Yeah, yeah. So did you hear the story in Gloucester? I was asked to comment on this. It happened. A young six-year-old boy broke into his neighbor's house and stole some money. And the woman, who was the owner of the house, 
you know, got home and her house had been broken into. For some reason, she thought to go to Alexa and listen to say, you know, what, what was spoken during this time. And it was clearly this little kid talking. Oh, because... He was muttering in the room and wow. Alexa picked it up. Wow. And... The police used that to, you know, to go to his parents and say this is, you know, not good and all that. But if it were an adult, I don't know, conviction. I don't, you know, it's. Yeah. So I'm intrigued by that and sort of that unintended consequence there. Yeah. So now, now you can go home and worry, I guess. You know, whether what you say. We and, joke around <laughs> all the time with what's being what, yeah. stuff live? How much gets uploaded to the cloud? How much is discoverable? Like, right. Down the fact after the cash gets. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's another story. A husband and wife were arguing about something. And one of them said to the other, I think this is probably, you know, embellished. But what are you going to do? Call 911. Police showed up. Oh, wow. You know, so it was just like, oh, wow. You know, that was an unintended consequence. But so so you use Alexa. Do you use any of the others? No. Google. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Alexa just started off as I think it got like a free original the, the tower mm-hmm. Alexa from AWS or something and it's like oh this is pretty cool I see and then I, I replaced that with the one that has the digital the yep. LCD the Alexa show okay the so it's countdown timer what's the weather you know interesting <laughs> simple things I haven't mastered the how to talk to it right effectively to, uh-huh. to do things and I haven't really got figured out how to do control Sonos yet right just have to use a specific order of words. <laughs> so, so as we're training them, it's also training us. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We've been talking with Greg Arnett. And what's your official title now? Technical Evangelist Business Development for the OEM Platform. Of uh, Barracuda. Of Barracuda. Okay. Yeah. Barracuda Data Protection. We'll hopefully see you soon again. Thank you for the opportunity to get together. Absolutely. Been a great conversation. Excellent. Thank you. The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. Savior Labs exists to help businesses mature and strategize for the future. Learn more about Savior Labs at SaviorLabs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit paulparisi.com. The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young in conjunction with copious amounts of coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash pdparisi. This episode, like all our episodes, is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.